from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. COVID brought many changes, but Joseph Michelli hopes leaders will see the last year as an opportunity to hit the pause button and become more intentional about how they lead. I'm Jennifer Plager, Managing Editor for CUNA News. I recently spoke with Michelli, an organizational consultant and author of Stronger Through Adversity, World-Class Leaders Share Pandemic-Tested Lessons on Thriving During the Toughest Challenges. Michelli spoke about lessons leaders learned during the pandemic, the importance of self-care, intentional pivots, and more. Michelli will explore what the new normal looks like when it comes to member experience during Through the Leadership Lens Virtual Series, an exclusive series for credit union CEOs presented by the CUNA CEO Council on August 18th. Joseph, 2020 was a challenging year, but it was an opportunity for leaders to learn new ways to lead. What made it a challenge and why did it present so many opportunities? I think that if you look back to the last 15 months, 16 months, we really had an uncharacteristic time in leadership where we were tested in ways that most people will not be tested in their lifetime, certainly don't hope to be tested again in their lifetime at that level. I think that in those moments, adversity uncovers character. It doesn't necessarily build it. Maybe to some degree it does, but it certainly uncovers the character. It's there. It also poses a challenge for us to think about how we're wanting to be remembered in the context of our leadership. Because if you really look at this time, it's the time that people pay particular attention to leaders. And we saw wonderful examples and not so wonderful examples at every level of government, healthcare leadership. And and the same is true within private industry and, and in the credit union space as well. And you got to talk to a lot of leaders in various industries during the year last year, and and you ended up sharing some of the lessons that they learned in your new book, Stronger Through Adversity. We're going to get to what's in the book in a moment, but it sounds like writing the book itself was a bit of a challenge. Can you kind of share that story behind the book and how it came to be? I had uh, planned to do a different book in 2020. I was under contract with McGraw-Hill and in a collaboration agreement with Godiva Chocolate. We were hoping to write the book in 2020, release it in 2021. It would be the 95th anniversary of Godiva in in 2021. So the goal was to tell their story. I'd consulted for them in the past. The new leader to the organization is someone I worked with when she was over at Starbucks. All the stars were aligned. We were well on that journey. And then out of an abundance of caution, they start closing down some of their new concept stores, which were really morning coffee shops, if you will, that were going head to head with Starbucks. They were closing those down instead of opening more and more of them up. And I couldn't get to the manufacturing plant because of safety concerns. So it was clear that that project was not going to go forward. Alternatively, lots of my clients who I consult for were calling me and saying, how do we keep our customers? How do we keep our employees with all this uncertainty? And as I sat on those crisis committees with my clients, I saw all kinds of different leadership and took that opportunity to just listen to them about how they were trying to position leadership for success in the pandemic and after the pandemic. And it was from those conversations that the idea of this book was born. So what were some of those lessons that you learned and leaders learned during the pandemic that you talk about in your book? Well, I learned a lot. And I think leaders were learning on the fly as well. Probably the most important things is you have to lead yourself before you can lead your team. And though that's well known, we saw a lot of leaders who weren't doing a very good job of taking care of themselves in the pandemic. They saw this as a sprint. They thought that they could deny their own physiological needs and didn't sleep and didn't eat and didn't exercise. And they were paying a price for that. Once you get past the self-care issues, we really saw the importance of communicating effectively 
and not necessarily communicating all the time. The notion that you can't over communicate in a crisis is totally wrong. The issue was, did you communicate consistently with a regular cadence, but purposefully? So you weren't just creating clutter for people. And I think that addition to that, you saw people having to stylize their strategic planning, how to manage crisis over the short term, a little less about the longer term, but be able to execute mission critical concerns each and every day. So the horizon line was much shorter. And then I think beyond that, there is the whole issue of legacy and being able to figure out how you position yourself to have lasting impact, both from an organizational perspective and then in terms of your own leadership impact on an organization. Folks who are listening to this may go, okay, I totally get the last three points that we were talking about and how that relates directly to business. Might be a little surprised when they hear you say that self-care is super important. Why is it so important for leaders to remember to take some time away to make sure that they're doing okay? I think as I was doing these interviews, and I did interview 148 leaders from global companies, one of whom, for example, was the senior vice president of Fitbit. And she said, you know, when you're at a company that has wearables and tracks your activity levels, and you realize you haven't gotten up from your seat because you've been on Zoom calls for eight hours straight, and your device is telling you to get up, and you're convinced that your mission is so big because you're working with Stanford University to use your wearable to track possible exposure. When you get your mission so large that you deny your own physiological needs in a company like that, then probably the rest of us need to be reminded to get up, to stretch, to put our mask on first, as I describe it in the context of the book. And as the safety instruction on airline would go, really make sure we are able to sustain our energy so that we can do the greatest good for the greatest number. And how can they do that? I think it it starts with a general awareness that your self-care matters. And I think it sometimes involves getting colleagues to hold you accountable to that very issue. We had leaders that we interviewed in the book who literally would track when their people were logging in and off their networks because a lot of employees were concerned that they wouldn't be essential workers, if you will, and they were subject to furloughs and layoffs. So they were working heroic hours. And those leaders really made a point of saying, we're not looking for that. We're looking for incredible quality work during the time when you are working, but we're also expecting you to spend some time keeping a balance on your life or you're not going to be good for us in the long term. So I think it's leaders who teach that to their team members, even though they could benefit from all that extra discretionary effort, teach their team members that you need to regulate your life work balance and then model that as well and have accountability partners who encourage them to do the same. And for those folks who are like, I'm so busy, I don't have time. How can they make sure that they take enough time to, you know, get up, maybe go for a quick walk or walk away from your computer for a minute? How do you make sure you actually do it? Well, this next breath doesn't take much time and you got to take it anyway. So either you're going to take it as a deep diaphragmatic breath and pull the air in through the diaphragm and upper lobes of your lungs and, and slow down your respiration so that you can actually oxygenate yourself in a way that gives you a sense of peace of mind. I think that the willingness to just shut off your thoughts for a minute and be quiet is particularly important. I think the willingness to reach out to others and say, I don't know what's going on here. I need some assistance. What are you trying to do? We're all in this together and we're flailing to come up with solutions to problems we've never seen before. So I think those are all issues of whether or not you have that internal dialogue and whether or not you put a note on your monitor that reminds you to breathe, to stretch, or you use a wearable like Fitbit that nudges you out of your seat every once in a while. And you've mentioned examples and wearing, you know, a Fitbit or taking a breath or just to stop and think, not necessarily big time consuming tasks or actions that kind of really make sure you're looking out for yourself. 
Yeah, if they were, you probably wouldn't do them because there's so much to be done. So I think the practicality of it is doing it alongside of your life instead of seeing it as one more task that you may or may not get around to on a day that doesn't have enough hours as it is. Now, Joseph, you're going to be talking to a bunch of credit union professionals at the upcoming Through the Leadership Lens virtual series. How can taking these four lessons that you've talked about translate into success, not only for the leader themselves, but for their credit union? Well, I have lived and loved the credit union space, both as a customer, uh, as a member, if you will, and then also just in terms of being able to consult in that space and helping leaders who I think are really close to their communities and trying to increase the overall financial well-being of their communities and financial literacy. So to me, this is an essential space to do well in because communities depend upon it for their infrastructure and, and for their financial well-being. So I think how it applies to your industry is something I hope to share based on my direct involvement with a number of brands over the last few years in the space. And every industry thinks that their set of challenges are monumental or different than every other industry. I think leading in community, leading your teams to deliver outstanding experiences, ensuring that your team members see themselves as part of the customer experience, the internal customer experience, and really paying attention to how do you deliver an engaging, safety-filled experience for them. Those are the challenges that I saw ubiquitously happening around the world and certainly happening in the credit union space and hope to tailor our message to that. You talk about the lessons that you learned and that leaders learned during the pandemic. And I have a feeling that these aren't lessons that only apply during times of adversity. So why should leaders remember them every day, even when things are maybe less challenging and running a lot more smoothly? I do think it's a matter of volume, right? Like volume is louder in a crisis uh, and you you can turn the knob back a little bit, but to shut it off altogether would create dead silence, right? So when it comes to some of these principles like safety, we have always operated on awareness of the importance of safety in business. It's been at a pretty low volume and it's played in the background. I think the pandemic increased the awareness on safety. It was the first time in the social contract of employment that people could die from just ordinary commerce. For many of us, the amplification of the volume for safety was louder. Now, the question is, from a consumer perspective, will your members continue to harbor an increased desire for hygiene and safety than they did when they came into facilities before? Will they have a higher appetite for some of the things that we had to learn to manage, like contactless delivery systems? If those are true, then then we need to make sure that we don't turn them all the way down to silent. Five years down the road or so, what do you hope leaders remember from this super challenging time that we've all been through the last year and a half or so? I hope that they will use this as a purpose reset and they'll look back at this time and say, that was the moment where we hit pause on the way things have always been. And we became far more intentional about how can we deliver against what people need? What do I need as a leader? What do my teams need on a day-to-day basis instead of just the same things we've always done, what is it that we can do to meet them where they are? And if you look at it at a global sense, we're seeing people change jobs in record ways. We're seeing people leave communities that they've lived for long periods of time in mass exoduses because in many ways, people said, is this really what I want with my life? Life may be a little more ephemeral than I've treated it. And should I not be thinking about being more intentional? It goes down to just rudimentary decisions like, do I need that membership subscription that's auto-renewed every month for the last five years, and I've used the product, 
or service once in that span of time. So I hope they'll look back and, and this will be a time when they'll analyze where do they make purposeful and intentional pivots instead of continuing to operate from autopilot. Joseph, any last words of advice you have for folks who are listening? None of us knew what we were doing. And those of us who admitted that and gave our best intentions, listened well to the best sources of data that were available to us, communicated with our teams, our authentic vulnerability. Those are the folks who will come through this far closer to their teams, far more effective in their agility, and really much more learning resilient than those who acted as though they always had it figured out. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio.